What is up, everybody? Before we get the show going, I know y'all are so excited to hear about The Last Man on Earth. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Whack Brackets. They're a, it's a really dope uh, podcast led by Mike, and I guested on it the other day. And the episode is going to be releasing on Monday, August 10th, um, which right now that I'm recording this is just tomorrow. So um, basically, we just it's eight random competitors that bracket off against one another. And in this case, we're talking about mustachioed legends, of course. So tune into that. Check out Whack Brackets. He's everywhere. So just uh, search it on. And on, there's no one else that has that name. So kind of similar to mine. So just search it on your favorite podcast um, player, app, whatever. And, you know, put a little good review in there, too, of course. All right. Thank you all so much. Let's get the show going. Today, we bask in the... Lo- in the- oh, shit. <laughs> <clears throat> Today, we bask in the golden light of mustachioed greatness. I am so excited about today's show. We are honoring quite possibly the most prolific mustachioed actor of all time. With more than 200 credits in film and television spanning all genres in several decades, the legendary Vincent Price has made an everlasting impact on film. You know how like Hannibal acts in that show that's called Hannibal? (laughs) That's Vincent Price right there. Minus the like eating of the humans and stuff, this dude had a love uh, and fascination for the fine arts. In addition to the culinary arts, apparently he was like a connoisseur of food. So from his debut film, or uh, debut film, (laughs) I always mess up that word. From his debut film and the service deluxe in 1938 all the way to the 1990s when he played Edward Scissorhands. Or he didn't play Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) You remember when he played Johnny Depp? <laughs> he was the uh, he was like the father of Edward Scissorhands. Hey, this is I I'm a few beers in, guys. Just, just bear with me. He is, you know, Vincent Price has always been captivating on film, and that's something that you just can't deny. The dude, he sort of just has this like face and this voice that is impossible to ignore when you see him on film. And if you like many of those different faces and his voice, well, do I have a movie for you? We are going to be discussing The Last Man on Earth from 1964, starring the great Vincent Price. Now play that crappy theme song. (laughs) It's the Mustachio Podcast, we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips It's the Mustachio Podcastio Alright, we are back and we are ready to rock and roll In fact, guess who's back? Back again Bridget's back Tell your friends Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? I am welcoming the woman in my life, Bridget Rivera, to the show. How is it going, Brie? It's going. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I'm guessing uh, Brie will only be uh, on for movies where it's just the mustachioed white guy slowly losing his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. I, um... I feel like we had to honor uh, the great Vincent Price uh, at some point. 
you know, um, he's I, I as many of you know at this point, I'm a big fan of of the horror genre, but apparently not a huge fan because I've never actually seen The Last Man on Earth. So I was very excited. I'm actually kind of glad that I waited to watch it because I think it's worth talking about it here. And um, I always wanted to watch it, you know, but I think it worked out. And Bree, you had mentioned that you hadn't seen a lot of Vincent Price movies, right? No, yeah, not at all. So what was your... Because you probably, once you saw Vincent Price, you're probably like, yeah, I've seen him in some things or I've seen him around. You've probably seen his image. Like, what is your impression of him as an actor? Um, hmm. I guess it's kind of difficult to put that into words, but I can say that he seems like the type of actor that you won't forget about. Like, mm -hmm. unforgettable on the screen. Yeah. Like, once you see a movie that he's in, that's it. You're going to remember him. Yeah, he just has, the, there's not a lot of, there's not, um, you have people that try to mimic him or pretend like uh, maybe try to act like him a little bit, but I haven't seen a lot of people that give off that Vincent Price vibe uh, and his timbre. You know, he has this weird voice. It's very delicate yet still fierce. He's like, "Welcome to my show." You know, it's just I kind of <laughs> sound more like Bill Hader's <laughs> version of Vincent Price, but but I really I really do enjoy uh, seeing Vincent Price doing his thing. And if if you're a big fan of his, The Last Man on Earth is a great example because he's by himself through most of the film. He basically carries the movie, and you get a lot of his inner monologue, which is very fun. Uh, so this movie is, of course, based on the 1954 novel "I Am Legend" by Richard Matheson. I personally think I personally think, and I've heard this from other people that have talked about this film, that it was probably a good idea to to go with a more literal title of "The Last Man on Earth" as opposed to uh, "I Am Legend." I just think that the fact that it's kind of vague may have thrown people off back in the 60s like now you know they, they eventually released the will smith of that same name the will smith movie and i think people were more like open-minded to go check it out and plus you got will smith in it but mm -hmm. at the time you kind of wanted to get people to figure out what the hell the movie was going to be about right away so it made sense to go with that and something I like that I think Bree definitely appreciates because I've never been there myself, but this movie is actually um, filmed in, in Rome. So were you able to tell like that it was actually not, you know, not in the States? Um, maybe in the scenes where he's going out to the burn pit. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell that's in the outskirts of somewhere else and then there's a scene where I mentioned that it looks like government housing in Puerto Rico. Um, it was like apartment building looking kind of that I, I immediately recognized it as not being like American architecture. Yeah. But other than that, no, they did a pretty good job about disguising where they were filming. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I feel like with this movie, it's not a big deal as to where they're at. He's a scientist. And I feel like if you're going to be a scientist, you're going to be going around here and there doesn't and and also the fact that vincent price is kind of ambiguous as to where he's from like he, he he's american but he has this voice that is kind of it's back when a lot of actors had that sort of british sort of sounding it's type the voice. north atlantic whatever accent yeah it's like hi that radio accent what? yeah hello hello i'm vincent price you know <laughs> So yes, so The Last Man on Earth was filmed in Rome and scenes were completed at the, uh, I'm going to just say this, uh, Espos, oh shit, 
Esposizioni Universali Roma. I apologize. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was real rough, Daniel. <laughs> I thought that sounded good. Hey, I think I actually have some Italian listeners. I think I have like... <laughs> I almost yeah, I got some downloads in Italy. So hey, y'all Italian listeners, that you know, show me a couple. Grazie, me, grazie, <laughs> and let me know if if that sounded if I butchered the hell out of that. So this was eventually released in the United States and the United Kingdom by American International Pictures, which I'm sure we'll have plenty of American International Picture films uh, in this in this podcast. And now it's public domain, so if anyone wants to check this movie out before listening to this podcast, feel free to just open up YouTube and go check it out. Um, it's 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 a pretty quick watch, you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a good amount of long shots and stuff like that, but it's it's nothing too crazy. I feel like it went by really fast the way the movie is structured, so definitely go check this out. So let's go ahead and uh, break this movie down. Are you ready, Bree? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Movie Breakdown. Okay, so the movie opens up in a desolate area with some aerial shots of the city that we're in. I don't believe they actually give the city that we're in. I think they just sort of kept it in a very vague city. Like, I, I don't remember them ever mentioning it, but I could be wrong. I've, I've only seen the movie twice now. We actually did watch this movie. First, we saw it in the remastered, the remastered version that was also done in color. And that was really nice. Like it actually gives the the movie a much sharper feel, and the audio is really good. But then we also saw the one that you can find on YouTube, which is in its original black and white. It's a little bit more classic black and white film, and that that also adds a different element to it. I feel like, especially this very beginning part where they're in the city, and at first it's just quiet and no one's around. But then, whoa! Like all of a sudden, you see a bunch of dead bodies. What you're figuring are de- dead bodies? They're not like they're not massacred or anything honestly it kind of just looks like homeless people laying down randomly in the street but at first and then after a while you start seeing more and more you're like wait a minute these are these are dead bodies and it gives a it gives a the the black and white version i felt like was a little more creepy right yeah it it feels a little bit more unsettling Mm -hmm. for sure so then we see a uh church that has a sign that says the the end has come on the church sign and for some reason that made me think and that's something that's very that has been done a million times and i'm pretty sure this movie was probably one of the more earlier versions of this type of uh type of movie but uh, i re- it made me think of this san antonio church that has these type of weird messages on their signs i think i uh saw an article that on this on the church sign it said yard sale bigger than kanye's ego this saturday at 9 a.m <laughs> I'm like I'm not a super religious guy, but hey, if you're gonna make your signs kind of funny, I'll I'll definitely t- take a little read out. You know, I'll yeah. I'll read them up. So uh, yeah, you gotta love that. So uh, now we get to Vincent Price. He's there waking up in his house. He says another another day to live. Better get started. So he's been probably. It seems like he's been doing this for a while, just from his natural energy walking around the house and. He seems kind of like, oh, here we go again. And then we get the title card, The Last Man on Earth. And you can almost hear the trailer voice pop up like, The Last Man on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's kind of awesome. And uh, 
it apparently he's been there for three years uh, since he inherited the world, as he says. I roll. Yeah, I know. Hey, it, you'd be dramatic too if you were stuck on the world for by yourself for three years. He seen he uh, says uh, that it seems like more like one hundred million years. So he is very just done with this existence, you know. But he's continuing to truck on because more than likely it's you know we find out that he's a scientist. So I think he just is trying to find a way to to figure this out what what went wrong what's going on we noticed that he has garlic on the door so i thought that was interesting when i first saw this movie i was like okay he's got garlic i'm like all right so that that gives us some you know we start thinking about vampires and things like that obviously there's also garlic i think has been used in other type of spiritual things right like to protect the house maybe yeah not just well, for he's vampires got the cross and the mirror too and all of those yeah he's got a lot of the 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 common tropes of uh, vampire legends you know the, yeah. the vampire tradition but we do got to remember that this was before the concept of zombies had become part of the, like common vernacular you had white zombie in the 30s and the word but the word zombie didn't reach it like widespread knowledge to at least from what i what i know until the george romero classic uh night of the living dead which i absolutely love and that came out actually four years after this movie. So I feel like it became very popular after that point. But at this point, it wasn't. And so I think they decided to go the, the vampire route because it was a name. It was a word that people knew. You know, they can come up with their own conclusions as far as what a vampire is. And a, and a big part of the whole vampire lore is the fact that they're back from the dead, that they're technically dead. They're just. Um, I guess they're just a little more intelligent. And what I like what what they did here in this movie, um, which I didn't mention, but it was is directed by uh, Ubardo Ragona, I believe. <laughs> I don't know if I nailed that or not, but I think I think he did a great job of kind of creating these sort of vampire slash ghouls. I guess you know, like you see them. Vincent Price gets out of his house eventually, and he's walking to his garage, and he's he's tending to the to the generator inside his garage. He dumped some fuel in it, and he has a lot of trouble putting on the gas cap. And it actually looked legitimately like he was having trouble putting on the gas cap. Like he was working on that shit for like ten seconds or something like that. And but I feel like back then, like everything was hard to do. Like every piece of equipment you had, like starting a lawnmower was hard in the nineteen sixties. I bet compared to now. <laughs> mm. But you know, it was. Um, it's kind of fun. You're you're watching him walk around and and doing his daily routine, and uh, he mentions that it's an empty, dead, silent world, um, and he sees a bunch of these ghoul vampires laying on the ground that are dead now. He tells himself more of them for the pit, so we know that there's this pit, I guess, that he disposes these bodies to, and he says every day there are more of them. And yeah, so we, we're starting to figure some things out. He's giving us these little clues. Then he's on the radio. The radio was kind of insane, right? He's like, <laughs> KOQW calling. I'm an international frequency. Come in. And then the loudest whine. <laughs> yeah, the, the dogs got up. Oh, yeah. The radio made like the pitchiest. Uh, the frequency made a, a high pitch sound. It, oh, it was so freaking loud um it kind of reminds me i don't know if y'all have ever seen this movie but it's called super van it's a movie that the grind been covered i think for the like 200th episode and the van is supposed to be from the future mm -hmm. and i think it's electric and so instead of giving it an engine noise they gave it like a 
so the whole movie you hear that sound oh my god that frequency just kills me so anyway so he's on the radio he gives it like five seconds right. <laughs> no no one whole five seconds for somebody to answer before he walks away from i it. think at this point it's like i'm just i just trying to he's going through the motions yeah i'm going through the motions at this point so then he uh, he starts talking to himself and we find out that they that the the vampires can't bear to see their own image as we all know you know with mirrors and stuff he says that the garlic also repels them and so that helps and then he's kind of going through his cupboard and he tells himself that there was a time when eating was pleasurable but not anymore he's like it's just fuel that's a so, sad life to live though like yeah it's pretty depressing <laughs> when you can't enjoy your food like do you really want to be alive i know <laughs> And, and tell us what happens at this part when he when he picks up a doll. He pick- <laughs> so I think he, what he's he's looking at this doll. Like I guess he's reminiscing when he had his daughter or whatever. <laughs> it's so awkward, but he picks up like what I'm assuming is a coffee can, <laughs> and he does the most awkward toss of this coffee can out of nowhere, and then starts going on this tangent about how anger makes him vulnerable (laughs) where are you angry at right now at the doll or at the coffee or what yeah i know he um i think he's just frustrated and at this point we don't know we didn't we don't know if he's got a family we don't know if he's been alone this whole time like his house is big so you can kind of come to the conclusion and the fact of just traditional family values back then they're like maybe he had a family but it's really random you know he just he's just he sees the doll and then all of a sudden makes a face of just anger and disgust and then grabs a can and just throws it fuck you folgers <laughs> 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 it's so random so uh anyway he he gets all mad and now he needs to he needs to find where uh these things are hidden during the day he tells himself he's he's following them on a map he has a map kind of gridded out and it looks like he's been doing this for you know three years so he has like a lot of little sections but there's plenty left in the city for him to to start you know hunting and stuff so he's looking through the map and he's he's looking to see uh what where he's been and where he hasn't been and then we see that he has this really dope ass nice wooden spike uh that he's been uh whittling he has like a wood whittler machine thing i'm not obviously i didn't take any wood shop classes <laughs> but it's like this you know like it's like the piece of wood that's in between two pieces of things and it rotates and you can whittle it really quick it's pretty dope actually uh i was kind of like i wonder if they have though like i would love to buy something like that i wonder i'm sure wood workers have it, that as yeah. part of their arsenal but like at this point the guy is really looking more like a vampire slayer than a scientist yeah i think at this point he's maybe given up on the sciency part of life but also we don't know he's a scientist yet like they haven't even showed it so as far as we know he's just a guy that likes to wear suits like nice to like to wear a nice three-piece suit and he likes to go uh and make spikes and stuff like that so apparently when he stabs these uh vampire slash ghoul slash zombies when he stabs them it keeps their bodies from healing so they actually stay down so using the wooden stakes has worked for him so price starts lifting some uh some of the vampires that are outside of his house into his wagon and actually i thought that the movie did a pretty good job of making these bodies look real because they're mannequins i'm pretty sure yeah either that or vincent price is incredibly strong because these are like full grown he is six foot four but 
you know, he's, he's like fif- middle age. Yeah, he's like fifty three or something like this in this movie. So or something like that in this movie. So he's a little older, but he lifts these bodies like nothing. And I mean, a grown man, like one of them is a woman, and then he lifts his grown man. He throws them both in his wagon, which he has a dope ass wagon, by the way. <laughs> like I love it. I would totally buy one of those if I had the money right now. And so he puts him in his in his in his wagon. He he gets ready to take off, but then he realizes he needs gas. He's like, oh, I need gas. So then he sees, um, he takes off on the road. He sees more bodies laying along the street. And he says, I'll get rid of them later. But right now I need gas. (laughs) I'm sorry, Daniel. But this guy, if you've been alone in the planet for three years now, he's not the most skilled survivalist at this point. How are you even going to allow yourself to be low on gas, low on garlic, low on coffee? Like, what are you doing, dude? You have nothing but time on your hands. Yeah, I think... um, I think you start getting complacent, you know? You start not trying so hard to take care of your shit. And yeah, you're right. He probably should have like a huge reservoir. But lucky for Vincent Price, <laughs> there's a nice, solid, giant, what looks like a, uh, you know, it's almost a, like a Toyota it's a tanker. tanker trailer for fuel. Like yeah, that. a huge fuel tanker filled with fuel. So Conveniently on his route. <laughs> conveniently on his route. He already has some some cans out there like some big old jugs to fill oh, yeah. up for gas cans. so he starts filling up the the gallon can to get some gas and and, th- and that's kind of what i like about this first part of the movie was you realize boy being the last man on earth is really convenient because <laughs> like it's like you want to feel bad for him like oh man surviving must be hard but then after a while you're like wait a minute he's got access to every fucking thing and he doesn't have to compete with every anybody because everyone's dead so it's not too horrible other than the fact he's alone uh so i get that part of it so now he drives up to a smoky area where he puts on a gas mask he starts pulling out the dead mannequin bodies from his car and dumps them into this fire so i guess that's the pit we were thinking about or that he had mentioned earlier then he uses fuel that is apparently it's supposed to be hard to come by but i don't know how hard to come by it is and he keeps the fire going and he he burns the bodies in the pit so the uh now he's he's looking at he's doing a little shopping you know you know vincent price didn't go out to the to the local uh trader joe's you know (laughs) he's gonna go get him some he's gonna go get him some food and stuff goes to the supermarket and for being three years did you notice like this place looks nice this this grocery store is ridiculously organized for having uh have gone through the end of the world yeah like the end has come but the grocery store is still perfectly lined up cans lined up boxes lined up yeah like all i could think of was that maybe this whatever happened to the people happened so fast that people weren't able to raid like we had we had coronavirus come through and i couldn't get toilet paper (laughs) you know and it was before it was even that bad and by the way let me say how timely reviewing this movie is because when i started watching it i just started getting like flashbacks it was just like man this is so you know this mysterious virus obviously it's not as mysterious to us but like just seeing how people react and things like that i feel like in vincent price's universe they reacted much better to this plague more rational what much more (laughs) rational so he goes to the store he finds some fresh garlic three giant baskets of garlic are just hanging out in the back of the store did like a ghost harvest them who is harvesting the garlic i don't cultivate he even smells me he's like yeah they're still fresh and i'm like years later okay of course they are you gotta love it so i'm glad that you know he has a little bit of luck finding him some good fresh garlic a whole lot of luck (laughs) (laughs) 
So he heads home. He realizes he needs to replace no, them. No, no, no. Hold on. We got to talk about the, the half-butchered cows hanging in the grocery store. They've been hanging there for, oh, that's for, right. for three years. That's right. Yeah, so... Lot holes. Yeah, so there's like these cow... These cow um, hides are not... But not like, not really cow they're hides. Like butchered um, butchered meat. cow meat. Yeah. And they're hanging like you would in a... In a, which is weird, like because they were right next to the garlic. So I'm like, wouldn't you hang that stuff? Like, well, it is Italy, and if they use a grocery store over there, you think it's cured? Yeah, but I don't think it would last a whole three years. That's true. Unless it's like refrigerated. It was very interesting. I I don't I don't know. It's just so bizarre. There must be a reason why I he think didn't. It was for effect, probably added for effect. Yeah, they should have made it look like rotten, but it just looks like good, some good beef. <laughs> Cut a couple slices off that bitch. So he starts heading home and realizes he needs to replace uh, replace the garlic before it gets dark. It's starting to get dark. So he goes into the oh, – oh, and he also realizes that um, he needs a mirror because that mirror, his mirror broke. Oh, yeah. And then he goes to that perfectly impeccable he, mirror store. Like, he goes what? to the most conveniently <laughs> placed mirror store. He has the full selection of all kinds of mirrors. Decorative mirrors. Rococo mirrors. He's got the fanciest yeah. gothic mirrors. Like <laughs> He found like the, the so comical to me. He found like the local Pier One that had like eighty mirrors inside there and he grabs a whole handful of them. Like I said, you know, he's gonna be okay. As long as he doesn't completely lose his mind, he seems to have plenty of materials to be to be able to survive. But it is really it is really interesting watching him and the him talking to himself, and he still really makes the film super interesting. Even though some his things his inner monologue definitely carries. Yeah, him. he's super good. He just has such a the 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 way he carries himself is just nice. So he gets those mirrors. Um, it's kind of like this whole movie you want to think that his existence is tough like i said and it's just uh just doesn't seem that bad no. so far it's kind of hard to believe the yeah. woe is me so now he goes into some apartment building and this is uh this is where we see killer killer vincent price this is like the montage of him <laughs> cleaning up the streets of whatever made-up city he's in and he just starts hammering spikes into people it honestly looks like he's just walking into people's apartments and i think what so the thing that makes it seem dramatic when you kill a vampire uh in uh, during the day is they're usually in a coffin and they're asleep inside the coffin they have their eyes closed these people are in their bedrooms <laughs> like they're just taking a nap and vincent price is just walking into their apartments and says fuck you and he's just like stabbing them with freaking wooden spikes and it's so funny because they all kind of have a similar sound when they get killed like <laughs> you know like it's just weird it's this whole montage of him driving around the city just spiking ghouls and uh it's they seem to be very vulnerable during the day so i think that was to kind of add to the whole vampire thing even though they seem very zombie like it honestly kind of reminds me of uh the first blade movie there's a part where um there they throw i think they throw the lady i forget her name but she's sort of the the love interest in that first blade movie they throw her into this chamber and apparently some vampires that some humans that get bit by a vampire don't actually turn into vampires they turn into these like ghoul-like zombie creatures that are also 
also want to suck your blood, but they're like really decrepit and ghoul-like. And there's this guy in the chamber, which is I think she a guy that she knew or something, and he tries to attack her. So I kind of feel like that may have came from this movie, the fact that you could be a vampire, but you're like an undead, more rotten one. You're not like most vampires where they're like sexy you know brad pitt looking motherfuckers so uh anyway a little tangent there but that just kind of what this movie made me think of was that part in blade and so we see uh we see we see him now doing some arts and crafts with his garlic you know he's getting it all put together he hangs it out the door uh puts that little flimsy two by four on the door (laughs) that i'm pretty sure i could break through um now all of a sudden he's sort of biting his knuckles he says that it will be 12 hours before the sun rises, which looks like uh, puts on a record and now the zombies are coming in since they hear the, the jazz music, I guess. <laughs> and a zombie hits the window saying, Morgan, come out. <laughs> I like to think that this is actually kind of like, um, I feel like if he just kept saying Morgan, come out. And then eventually he's like, Morgan, come out. A more out more out and he's like hodor oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway there's always can't get through due uh to due to all the the very shoddy woodwork that he has of of <laughs> two by fours on his window somehow even though these zombies actually seem pretty strong they seem to have like their strength still but they're not able to get through to his house he somehow finds a way to fall asleep with all this going on and he wakes up to someone screaming so i don't know but i guess having that music playing super loud helps to drown out all the the vampires trying to get in but it also attracts them so i don't know maybe they just kind of know he's alive so they want to get him because if it is a plague it might be a situation because they're plagued they want to spread it like a virus or something i don't know so anyway he starts using the wood whittling machine but he kind of is like i'm so sick of living this routine i'm so sick of having to wake up every day and i need to like use a stupid wood machine and you see it in his face he's just mentally exhausted so he just turns it off and walks away he just gets frustrated so he heads out of town out on town he stops at what looks like a mausoleum right mm-hmm. and uh he arrives at the grave at this grave and he says uh verge god how i've missed you so he's standing over this grave and he sits next to it for a little bit and unfortunately he uh falls asleep on verge's grave and uh the sun has already set as he notices when he wakes up so he starts heading out to his car and his immediate uh, it's kind of weird because it's kind of like the vampires are sort of just waiting like they're kind of leaning on the wall like hey you got five bucks (laughs) any change bro he's like just randomly pushing these ghouls away from him to rush to his car because he fell asleep and now he's about to get snatched up on his way home yeah he's he's definitely trying to show some urgency but you know what these these ghouly vampires don't really put up it's kind of like when your friend's drunk and he wants to fight you (laughs) and he's like hey hey i saw you looking at my girlfriend and he starts swinging at you like dude just relax don't just come on man don't embarrass yourself don't yeah stop stop embarrassing yourself that's what all these vampire zombies seem like they're just very like hey ah. so he's pushing him away 
he gets to his car but now i will say though i'm pretty sure back in 1964 62 64 when this came out i'm pretty sure people were freaking scared as hell for sure but it's just at this we're point, just desensitized. yeah, we're super yeah. desensitized. But it's still, I appreciate it. I, I think they, for them not having really a an example of how to act as a zombie, I think they did do a really good job. So I don't want you to think I'm just pooping on the film or anything. But it is very funny <laughs> in some ways. So he escapes from the mausoleum. Zombies are everywhere. Um, he's able to throw them off, and then he gets to his house. And the zombies are there too. Those same group of zombies that are always coming over to his house. He gets out of his car and luckily he has a mirror that he keeps in his car. And it's really funny because I feel like if I was really drunk and I was acting stupid, if you put a mirror in my face, I would also be like, oh, no, I don't want to look. (laughs) I'm ashamed of myself. That's kind of how they act. He busts out his mirror. And they they back away from it. And he finally is able to get to his door. One zombie kind of gets in. Yeah. He gives that dude a wapata, starts closing the door. And I swear to God, everyone, it looks like he's closing the door on a real person's arm. He probably did. Because you actually hear the guy go like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> it was too legit. This yeah. scream or this screech was too He's perfect. like, fucking Bryce, God damn it. <laughs> like he straight up hurt this dude's arm. It's so funny, man. That was probably the most authentic yelp in the whole movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, like that is one of the things i love about this movie though it's like all the vocal yelps and yells that these zombies do is so good so good so now he's uh having a little reminiscing time you know Uh he's he's looking back he misses his family he's obviously was making some good money he's got like a boy sunday yes little sad boy sunday (laughs) he's got a nice little mini reel to reel that he's watching a family film on which is by the way a fully produced family film with b-roll and everything i'm like man this guy's so rich he would bring like three cameras to go see the circus so they can capture the family and the circus at the same time and then edit it all together so he's looking at it and he's he's having a good time uh i went to fiesta texas and my dad maybe got one polaroid shot of me (laughs) so anyway (laughs) he starts laughing at first looking at the home movies but then we see poor vincent he starts crying his eyes out and he slowly just starts you see him just starts losing his mind you know and now we're back with the zombies you know we got that good old zombie that's like morgan you know so we have that guy coming through being a total drunk dick and now this is when we figure out what's going on a little bit more. We get the flashback part of the film. And actually, this is probably my favorite part because you actually get to see Vincent Price interact with people. Yeah, you see his backstory. Yeah, because until then, until this point, it's pretty much just been him and maybe some zombie fights and that's it. So we're in the flashback and it opens up with like a hard wind. Um, oh, actually, no, no, wait. This actually, this uh, flashback opens up with Price, and he's taking. Um, it looks like video of his wife, not photos, because he looks like he has like a little camcorder type thing. And it's so funny because she's like, "Oh, my makeup and hair," but she looks like she's ready for a modeling shoot. <laughs> and her hair looks fabulous. This woman is gorgeous. And then Uncle Ben shows up. So um, uh, we don't know who Uncle Ben is, but he's just a young, handsome man. He shows up and the kids are all excited. It looks like it's their daughter's birthday. Uncle ben. Yeah, Uncle Ben. This girl, by the way. <laughs> we were talking about this this actress. I don't know who she is, but 
Jesus. I wish her well. <laughs> we wish her well. She's probably like 80 years old or something at this point. But my God, she is rough. Uh, it must have been really hard to direct kids back then. So it looks like um, it looks like Uncle Ben's actually the same dude that's been yelling Morgan out. Like they kind of has a similar face. I noticed that right away. Mm-hmm. And so Ben shows Price an article that that's about this plague spreading around, and Price thinks it's completely theoretical. He thinks um, that you know people are just overreacting to it, and that it's not as hardcore as they say it Sounds is. Familiar. And the article says something. I know, right? <laughs> and the article says something about. Um, airborne right? yeah europe's disease is it carried down by wind so anyway we find out that verge is his wife and um that that was the grave that he had went to go visit to just earlier and price thinks that uncle ben is basically full of shit and then a kid comes through to play with uncle ben and he says card tricks card tricks so <laughs> that was back when card tricks was that was the way you become a life of a party so uh you know whatever so then that scene from there we go to price and his wife go back and forth on what to do about this plague but you know after a while they're like okay it's the kid's birthday let's move on so then price takes another long look at the article so we know that this was a life-changing thing you know and it takes us back to now we're in the daughter's bedroom and this wind is coming through super strong into the bedroom and i think this was to speak a little to the fact that this plague is carried by wind and he closes the bedroom window and we see what looks like kind of like a mosquito net or something right on the yeah. daughter's bed yeah and this might be the best scene with the daughter Oof. she's sick you know she's not doing too good she's looking super rough and the wife comes in and she's kind of like worried about the daughter actually i think he goes to get the wife and the wife looks like she's a little off a little but she's hiding it and so then vincent goes out of the room and then you see her kind of like oh god like she's just barely holding on and we get back to the daughter and the daughter's wheezing and shit and they wish that they had a vaccine for her but there isn't one yet and price says that he has to go to work and his wife just is feeling super stressed out about it and it looks like the wind may have something to do with it for sure it's kind of like a remember the the happening you ever seen it's the like happening foreshadowing for sure oh yeah yeah that's the tree where <laughs> trees are telling people to kill themselves yeah it's the yeah. wind yeah, yeah 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 it's the wind and so yeah the <laughs> uh what's his name shamalan alan you hack <laughs> needs to knock it off <laughs> so anyway um is, is this the part where the kids like i can't see I can't see. And it's really funny because the kid is like saying like I can't see, but then she obviously looks at Vincent walking around the room. <laughs> like you can kind of see. You being a little dramatic. We see you see. We see you seeing, you liar. Just trying to get them them pity points. She wanted attention. So this is when we realize that Price is definitely some sort of scientist. We're back at his lab and we're he's looking through a microscope, you know, working on the virus. Ben says that the streets are filling with tons of bodies, apparently, that are being now thrown into this pit. And apparently it's an unknown germ, uh, which is being thrown around the world, and it's reached plague proportions. So things are getting really rough. Uncle Ben feels like the bodies are coming back from the dead, but Price just simply doesn't believe him. Uh, there have been stories about people who have died and come back, but it's still not enough for Price to believe. So anyway... 
apparent oh and then ben starts thinking about the fact that they might be vampires because they're very lazy and lethargic during the day and incredibly active during the night so he's getting suspicious man he's like yo these might be some kind of vampires or something and of course vincent price is the more um i don't know what you call like realistic or rational rational thinker kind of person he's a skeptic you know yeah for sure so he's not believing what ben has to say about it so now we're watching TV with Price. He's he's there um, at his house, and the governor of whatever city is in says that there's it's a disaster area now, and that no one should gather in public. Doesn't that kind of ring a bell, y'all? I'm having deja vu. <laughs> so it looks like the kid isn't able to. Uh, oh, this is the part where the kid isn't able to see. This is the part. So the kid is getting worse and worse. This is the part where she's not able to see at all. I thought it was in that last part where we're at her bed, but it's, it's after the because yeah. apparently like that's the last thing that happens when you die, is you can't, you see. can't see. And that's when it like whatever this is takes over, and the mom wants to call a doctor to to report it, but vincent is like no, don't do that. Don't call the doctors. We need to figure this out ourselves. We don't want them to start. We don't want them to have her in some sort of list that she's sick with this plague. You know, it's too risky. But it looks like the kid is not doing very, very well at all. But you'd think that the scientist would want his child to get looked at by a doctor, right? I, I was just yeah. confused why he didn't want her to get seen. All, all I could think of was that uh, maybe he knew that, you know, there was there was some government intervention or something like that i don't know but you're right though and face value you're not really sure why you know he doesn't want it to be reported to any doctors so then price goes uh, out the door and it looks like they're taking one of his neighbor's husbands um that they've wrapped up in a body wrap that these military soldiers are taking the body and the wife is just yelling and crying she's like yelling and the the, the, the truck is like a mile away she's like no don't it's like it's done, hun. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. And you know Calm what? Down. He was dead too. Anyway, so not a big deal. If anything, they're giving you, you know, a free get rid of the body service. So not that bad. So Price is heading to Uncle Ben's house. I'm just gonna keep calling him Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. And he already has garlic on the door. So obviously that's where Price got the idea to start putting garlic on his door, because I guess Uncle Ben was ahead of the curb curve. And so it turns out Ben is going full paranoia here, right? Oh, for sure. He tells Price, uh, you take care of your life, I'll take care of mine. He doesn't want to let Price into the house. He's not trusting anybody. He's like, you can be infected for all I know. I mean, he's not wrong. Nah, I mean, maybe they should have worn a mask. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Price, uh, Ben tells him to just get away and move along. So now Price sees all the trucks taking bodies to the pit, heads to a lab. He walks around all quiet, Vincent Price style, just kind of sneaky sneaking around. And this little nerdy scientist comes out of nowhere and says, If you're looking for anyone but me, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess he's the only scientist left at the lab. And the doc lets Price know that that they're going to find an answer eventually. But Price needs it now. You know, his daughter's sick. And he says something like, is everyone in the world going to die before someone finds the answer? The doc believes that mankind won't be destroyed. Apparently the fact that they are uh, they're working today is evidence that something's going to be done about it. But you know what? 
I don't know. It doesn't look too good because we already know how this ends up. So I think it was wishful thinking at its best. But uh, Price ends up heading back to his house and he sees the truck. Ta- he sees one of those trucks that, like, the same exact truck that was taking his neighbor's yeah, husband. Yeah, the military five tons. Yeah, the military five tons uh, taking off from his house. Mm. So now they show the wife and she looks she did a great job like she looks super distressed she's just sitting there with that like frozen in shock face and he asks her what's going on and she's not really saying anything so then price goes to the daughter's bedroom and he sees that it's empty and price comes back downstairs and he grabs his wife he's like win (laughs) win so it turns out the wife called the doctor because she was freaking out and she the daughter the daughter had actually died and at some point you know i guess that's when the truck came to get her you know the the i think the doctors were basically reporting to the military or whoever these guys are whenever they got any message that it could be someone with a plague that they'd come and get the body so then price is all freaking out he heads out to hopefully find the body we see the pit that big old fire pit that we saw earlier in the film and I guess the military has a really shitty perimeter because he has no problem getting up to the pit. At all. <laughs> you think they would have like it guarded or something, but he, he's able to go up to a soldier and he's like, hey, I'm looking for my daughter. And um, Price asked the soldier if the truck came from Market Street because I guess that's where he lives. And the soldier's like, I don't know. And he tries to grab a body from the soldiers because I guess it looks like a smaller body. And the soldiers tell him to get the hell out of the way. He says, it, it could be my daughter. But the soldier says, there's a lot of daughters in there, including my own. So shit is getting Yikes. serious. Yeah, shit is getting real in this bitch. So now we're at Price's house, and it looks like his wife has uh, gotten worse. Uh, her, she goes quick because uh, she yells uh, that she can't see. She's like, I can't see. So he runs upstairs, and boom, she did. Like, damn. Verge got it good. Maybe because she was hiding it this whole time. Mm-hmm. I, I think she know. was further along with the disease and then she was leading on for sure. So then he see, he goes to his wife who's passed away and he's like, Verge, I won't let them put you there. I won't let them put you there. So he decides to go. <laughs> he, he packs up Verge in, the, in what looks like the biggest car in Rome because no one has a freaking wagon the size of his. Everyone else has Fiat 500s, you know, like just have little go-karts. And uh, he, he he goes way out into the countryside, digs her a grave, which has nicely already been dug out. So I don't know if he dug the grave prior and then he decides to go do that. <laughs> so he puts her inside the grave and uh, he's at his house. He's obviously distraught. And we're back, we're back there and it's just quiet. And all of a sudden you just hear, this is probably, I would say, the creepiest part of the movie. You just hear this slight, thin voice of, let me in. Mm-mm. Let me in. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of like, um, I don't know if you ever read uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I grew up with that, with those books. I actually have the special editions with the original artwork. I loved them to death. I think that's when I knew, like, yeah, horror is my thing. And that's very, like, a story of, like, a wife coming back from the dead and is like, let me in. Anyway, so love this part of the movie. You see the doorknob begin to shake a bit. 
and he's kind of curious like who's who's over there like who's on the other side of the door he opens the door and oh no she has uh dug herself out of that grave and begins to come at him and she actually looks really great like i will give the props department and the makeup department and special effects like i will give them major props like she looks super creepy she has like this wide-eyed look and the skin has like this layer above it that just kind of looks frozen in a way in present day and we see uncle bob uncle uncle ben uncle bob we see uncle ben <laughs> and he's like we're going to kill you morgan and he's like messing up his car like it's a street fighter 2 turbo bonus level like he is just like destroying the way i'm like why do these vampire zombies act like you owe them money <laughs> like they're just walking around making threats and shit like what kind of zombie is that well they got nothing else to do with their time so <laughs> yeah It'd be kind of funny, like, if you had a gambling issue, like a gambling problem, and they just sent these, like, zombie vampires to come get the money back, and they're like, Daniel! It's like, slamming my car. You owe these motherfuckers money! <laughs> so, anyway, so now... Money, man. <laughs> so now we see prices in his bed. He wakes up after that long night. He sees that his car's been destroyed now, but no big deal. There are plenty of car shops. He finds a nice, sweet-ass wagon sort of hearse at this really nice car, uh, uh, you know, like a car dealership, basically. He just breaks in, and, man, there's so many dope-looking cars. And, of course, he picks the same car that he already had. I would, like, drive a different car every day if I was the last man on Earth. Of course you would. I would. <laughs> I have a car for every day of the week for sure. So now he has this nice looking dope car. He takes the car home. He closes the garage. All of a sudden he sees this stray dog, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, what does he do uh, at that point? I think he tries to call the dog in because now he's like, oh, another living being. Let's see what, why this one hasn't died as well. Um, basically why he's not infected, I guess, is what he wanted to see. And yeah. the I'm sure he also wanted the company, though. Like, if you're alone for three years talking to yourself, talking in your head, at least talking to the dog would be a little bit of relief. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it's a little bit of the whole, you know, trying to find your own Wilson, like in that... Wilson! <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I think he was like, wait a minute, there's an actual animal that's alive? Because I think in this... In this world, no one's alive. Like, he's literally the only... Like, no animals or nothing are around. Yeah. But it says last man on Earth, but I think you realize, like, he's also the last, like, living being. Because he was really surprised to see a a dog there that was actually alive. So, yeah, like, like you said, he starts chasing it. But the dog gets away. But then he sees, like, an arrow in the ground while he was trying to find the dog. He sees, like, this metal arrow. And he's like, what? What the hell is this? And he ends up uh, getting back over to his house because now he's like, wait a minute. If there's iron spears out here that I'm not the one using them and they're in these bodies, maybe someone else is out there alive. He gets back to his radio and guess what, everyone? We get to hear that really high-pitched sound again. Gotta love it. He tries to see if he can get a hold of someone, but no one answers. But then all of a sudden, he sees the dog outside the house and it's just kind of laying there for some reason now. It looks like the dog may be hurt uh price walks into his house with the dog he patches him up and we think i remember thinking like oh cool we got like a little dog buddy but no that's not the case of course this is the most depressing goddamn movie ever the dog starts getting scared as uh the zombie starts hitting the windows and price tells the dog that everything will be all right but all of a sudden 
Price uh, makes a face as if the dog just like shit in the house or something. But it looks like he just pulls the dog's fur and he realizes like that under the microscope the dog is sick. And so the dog has a plague as well. So then we get a shot of him burying the dog, which is always depressing as hell. But at least they just kind of like covered a bundle or something. Yeah, he bundled him up and then buried him. Yeah, and and after the burial, because he takes the dog to like some random place where it looks like there's a couple other graves, but it doesn't look like a cemetery, like a little man-made cemetery. And we see this woman walking up the hill. And at first you're like, okay, it's during the day, so I don't think it's one of the vampire ghouls. Uh, she also looked, she also looked kind of. I don't know. She looked pretty normal, but at the same time, they were kind of like making it look weird. Suspicious, yeah. It just looks like a drunk lady that got a, that started a little too early during Mardi Gras or something. You know, she's it's like barely six p.m. and she's like, "Hey!" and uh, she's walking up to him. But then I guess she didn't notice him because she was coming up on a hill. So then once she saw him, she starts taking off. She just runs away, and somehow he catches her, even though he's like twice her age. She's like running and he still catches her. I'm like, what the hell? So he tries to get away and he tells her, do you want to come with me? Or do you want to face them? She stops struggling to get away and decides to go with him for some reason. Uh, by the way, this whole time she doesn't say a, a freaking word. So we don't know what's going on. She hasn't said anything. We're back at Price's house. Uh, so I'm just going to call her Nell. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Nell. <laughs> That's a little throwback from a Grindman episode I was on. And uh, he goes into the car with her. Uh, I'm sorry. He doesn't go into the car with her. He goes into the house with her. And she's there with him. And he reaches in. Uh, she reaches in her in her pocket and pulls something out. But I'm not sure what it is. Price asks her if she's feeling better. And she says yes. So now she's talking. And uh, so she's definitely not an L. She says, you seem very well organized here. And apparently her name is Ruth Collins. She was married and lost her husband. Uh, and she asks if he's alone and asks if he was married with children. And that immediately made me think of love and marriage. Love. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so yes, of course he was. So Price uh, gets up to grab himself some fresh garlic. He's paranoid about her. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't believe that she's... Uh, just 100% uh, normal. He brings it up to her to see if she'll react. And when he brings the garlic up to her, she freaks the hell out. Mm-hmm. You know? But what if she was just allergic or something? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, plenty of people are allergic to garlic mm-hmm. and other things that are very common for everybody else. What if it was like peanuts? There's literally people who are allergic to water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? If, like what if? Like for some reason, the way to pre- to repel them was peanuts, and he brings peanuts to her face. And she's like, <laughs> she has like a he peanut. He goes into shock. Like, wow. So yeah, so he's he's very confident, and it's really funny because when he's like, "Ha, I've got you," and he throws the garlic out, like, "I got you, bitch." And so he's like, "Well, then why is this making you sick? Like, what's going on? You're not normal." And she's pissed that he doesn't trust that she's not infected. And so she tries to she tries to head out, but he doesn't let her go. She's like, uh, "Don't touch me!" And after all that ruckus, you know, good old Vincent Price, he's a gentleman about it. He's like, "You must be hungry. I'll fix you some dinner." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I know I manhandled you a little bit there, but you know what? I'll feed you as well." I accused you of being a monster, but <laughs> get you some food. 
I almost put a wooden stake in your heart. But <laughs> So now the zombies are back running amok, of course, and they're nice slow motion. And I will say, like, these zombie vampires, they're classic. They're the slow kind. Not <laughs> as slow as Romero's, but pretty slow. Because they can still do things that weren't – like, they can swing – bats and swing two by fours like they're like half human in a way like they still have some decent motor skills so <laughs> it's actually just sort sort of sounds like they're building something outside the house at first like we're gonna build you a bird cage they should build him better protection for his windows i know they should <laughs> yeah they're helping him out now so ruth says uh, you seem to be used to him because price isn't reacting to all the noise Price says that he isn't scared of them anymore. He mentions Ben and says that when he finds Ben, he'll kill them with a stake just like all the others. So, you know, he has no... But which is kind of weird. I'm like, bro, Ben has literally been in front of your fucking face the entire movie. Like, haven't right. you? why haven't you noticed that that's Ben? It's, he looks super good looking with some dry skin. <laughs> like, he still looks sexy as hell. Like, Ben as a zombie looks better than me. Normal. So, anyway. He never got Ben. So she asks why he lived through all this. Like, why is he alive? And he gives one of the most baffling explanations. But, you know, this being a 1964 film, like, screw it. Like, you know, it still happens to this day. Like, people make up science stuff, right? Oh, of course. Do you remember what he says? Like, something like... He said that he believes that it was because of um, a trip that he had taken to Panama and that he was bit by a bat in his sleep. I thought he said bitched by a bat. He was bitch slapped by a bat in his sleep. Can you imagine? Just <laughs> <laughs> bitch slaps you. So apparently he thinks that the bat had already had this plague in it. And that the, because bats, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Like immune system is different from ours. It filtered the virus. So when it bit him, it gave him basically a vaccine. So he wasn't going to react. It was like he already had the virus technically, but it was a filtered version of it or something. I don't like know. he built the antibodies from the back. Yes, like he built antibodies for it. And so that's why he thinks he has an immunity. But it's funny though, because before all that, he's like, maybe I was chosen. That's laughable. <laughs> oh, Vincent Price. I'm glad he called himself out. He did. Like, why me? Why the fuck me? So then Ruth, uh, Ruth, Ruth asks uh, what he'll do if, if she's infected. And she's like, will you cure me? And he doesn't have an answer to that yet. Um, he doesn't think it's incurable, though. Bryce says that there might be a way, if not containing the germ or keeping it from spreading. But he doesn't have time or equipment to do all that. But we'll find out that he might have some time and equipment. So all of a sudden, Ruth starts coughing and shit. And she's like, it looks like she might like be about to shoot some heroin. <laughs> She goes to another room and you see her like kind of getting ready to shoot herself up. I'm like, damn, Ruth, you're living hard life. <laughs> so, so Price comes in and he sees her and he knocks a syringe out of her hand. He says, "You're one of them." She says, "She was, she was, and without that injection, she she won't be one again." So basically, this injection is just a solution. It's a band aid to basically keep them from turning. Yeah, you know, which is again like Blade. Blade had that thing where he can keep himself from becoming full vampire. You know, it's like a drug that it sort of keeps the symptoms down. So that's basically what she's doing. And he realizes that she's found this solution. And I think she says something like it's D 
defibrinated blood plus the vaccine, just made up words. And it prevents them, you know, prevents them from multiplying, whatever. She said that they've had it for some time now. He's like, who's we? You know, he's realized she's with more people, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he caught on to the we. Yeah, he's like, oh, what the hell? So he wants the truth. He wants all of it. She says that she is here to find out uh, what he knows and if he knows more than they do. So that's basically she's like a spy for this society that she's with. Um, He asked if basically the society is about starting humanity all over again with this with this sort of mini solution that they have. He asked if she wants him to join, but apparently he's a monster to these infected people that are being medicated. Uh, she says that he's like a legend uh, in the city. So they kind of worked in the whole I am legend type thing because these these people that are sick, they see him as like this crazy legend because he's just out at night just fucking killing people left and right and that some of the people we actually destroyed were still alive. So some of those people we woke up from a nap may have been the people that were in the solution phase of it and maybe weren't full zombie but he didn't take the time to ask them anything he's like die (laughs) he's just killing them so to them he's like this crazed maniac person so apparently they're coming after him tonight this night that she's with him so she's supposed to keep him here until they come to go kill him and it's funny because uh what does he say here uh your society sounds charming (laughs) gotta love it that was good. So the he, delivery was perfect, though the way he said it. Yeah, it's so good. It, it has this kind of like, yeah, great. Like it sounds like a really good way to restart humanity with your freaking human killing society. So then all of a sudden, uh, she busts out a gun, right? Because she's like, "I need to keep you here," and he kind of loses his shit. He's like, "Use it! Come on, get over with it!" <laughs> It's like, like it's like the most that he loses his shit because he's really chill the whole damn movie. But it doesn't look like she's going to do anything. And as she's reverting back to her zombie form, you can kind of see her changing, which they did a good job of doing that little transitional stuff because she looked really normal before that. And she needs to get that vaccine um, in her, I guess, so she can look normal again. So Price grabs her gun and he walks out. He now has her on some sort of IV and it looks like it was attached to him as well. So he's doing like a blood transfusion type thing, right? Yeah. Mm. Which, If they're using the defibrinated blood, which by the way is not a made up word. It just means that they remove the clogging agent out of your blood. Oh. So that way the blood doesn't coagulate. If he's doing that, then he's putting his coagulated blood through her. So it probably wouldn't work anyway. But plot holes as far as i'm concerned everything you said was made up so then he (laughs) so she she wakes up after this after this uh procedure and uh she asks him what he's doing and he's like it's already done he tells her to look into a mirror and that he's holding and she doesn't seem to be infected by like affected by it i mean um the antibodies in his blood for some reason was able to save her so he's like basically the the actual cure antidote in his blood basically yes and he says he can save all the others and that they won't be alone she'll never be alone he also hands her garlic and now she really she's not alone anyway so that's true but (laughs) i guess he just doesn't want them to have to keep taking that weird solution and he gives her some garlic and she's like you know what i do like garlic you want to make some pasta (laughs) so weird so she gets up to tell her people not to come in there to kill him 
Price tells her that tomorrow, tomorrow will be all right. It's not a big deal. Price is just chill as hell. We are now outside the house, and um, you know, we see that uh, Ben is doing his little sneaky sneak around the house. And he's doing his like nightly routine, but now he's quiet. He's a little more quiet this time. He's like learning. He's like maybe I shouldn't like announce myself as much. Like when I'm like, <laughs> Morgan, Morgan. He was like, maybe if I just shut the fuck up, I might be able to get into this house. So we're out there with Ben. Ruth is worried that the vaccine won't last, so now he's going to he's going to check it again just to make sure that um, her blood is good. Ruth lays on the couch, but oh no, here comes Uncle Ben. Price comes in and hears Ruth calling his name. She's outside of the house, and Ben seems to look like he's trying to like kill her or something, or make out with her neck, something. Ruth tells him to run because uh, they're trying to kill him now. Cause he saves he saves Ruth from Ben, pulls Ben off. Now all of a sudden, here comes the cavalry. We have like these, basically this society she's in. They've become like assassin SWAT team guys. They're like trying to publicly lynch this man. Yeah, they have become like a militia, and they and you know what militia always has jeeps. They found jeeps in Rome. <laughs> I guess jeeps are in Rome. I I didn't think jeeps had, I didn't think Rome's had Rome's had jeeps. I think Rome's had jeeps, and so they start uh. They start killing the zombies on the premises while they're at it. Obviously, these guys are not new to their craft. There's just, a, but it's kind of funny because if they have this solution to bring the zombie vampires back to semi-normal, I guess you need to catch it early because instead of trying to save these guys, they just kill them. So I don't know. Maybe they're very picky about who they're bringing back. But they start killing them. Price tries to find some cover because it's dark. This is nighttime. Uncle Ben is up on the roof. And they shoot him so bad. It's rough, man. They pour, they shoot. I, first of all, how the fuck? How did Ben get up on the roof? I mean, I. I you said it yourself. They still have all their motor skills. I guess so, but <laughs> I mean, he, it's kind of yeah. still like a drunk guy. If I try to get on the roof drunk, I'm falling, girl. Every time. <laughs> but he's on the roof and they shoot him. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We might hear more from Uncle Ben. Uh, we ben. might. We'll see. So yeah, he falls off the roof. Uh, he he does do that whole scream. It's so emotional. All the dudes in the black turtlenecks, they're, they're they're the militia. They have these like they all have black turtlenecks. Price goes into some uh, goes into some pushes and pushes these dudes. They're no, it's no problem. He runs toward his laboratory as the men chase him, and he's pretty much when the smoke bombs come into play. Where did he get smoke? Was it from the rack, the gun rack, or something? Like, where did he get the smoke bombs? Did he already have them? Was he ready to fight? I don't know. He probably took the took them from them. I don't see. I don't, I don't remember where else he could have gotten them from. And I think they're supposed to be like grenades, but it really just looks like magician smoke. You know, like magicians, they use those little smoke explosions. So, like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, it's a dove, or you know, like they use like for like dramatic effect. Yeah. And it's so funny because. Price is just sort of tossing them nonchalantly. He's like, like he's throwing them from like where his stomach's at, like that level. Like he's just throwing them. It's not like an over the shoulder type throw. (laughs) It's so freaking good, man. And I like it because when the guys run into the smoke, it's not like, it's not like it's mustard gas. It's they're just like, okay, I'm good. Let's keep chasing him. Not the most effective smoke bombs. Not the most effective smoke bombs. Um, it's just so weird that he gets them out of nowhere. I don't understand it. 
So it looks like now that they now they've caught up to him. He runs into that church. They caught up to him, and they actually had shot him before he entered the church. So he had already kind of taken a hit, but it looked like it was a body hit, so it didn't knock him down right away. He's running around the church. Now they really look like they're a cult because you have all these people in black clothes chasing him. They're going to slam poetry right after. Yeah, right after this, they they're gonna put on some fedoras and or uh, not fedoras. They're gonna do those little beatnik uh, flat. A beret. A beret. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> they're gonna put on their berets and and do some slam poetry. So Price comes out into the church and he's just like dragging ass. He's been shot. He's all messed up. They surround him in the church and he slowly walks up into the altar, of course, for dramatic effect. All of you. He's like all of you freaks mutations is what he says and they shoot him right in the stomach again or no they don't shoot him they spear him yeah and it's so crazy like everyone has guns everybody like everyone has guns except this one guy who has the iron arrow (laughs) (laughs) and you know like right before they were going to do this high seat the guy was like hey guys every time i'm about to throw my arrow y'all shoot them can i throw the arrow like give me a shot like i'm in the spear guy please so he throws the spear at vincent price gets him right in the stomach i, I was telling brie it reminded me of uh, ace ventura when he gets the spear right in his leg he's like oh <laughs> which i know the movie doesn't hold up as much but y'all gotta admit that scene is hilarious when he gets those spears in his leg so they get them speared he's dying and he's like freaks i'm a man i'm the last man and he says that they were afraid of me to uh to ruth he lets her know like they were afraid of me and she says they didn't know and then he's dying and she just slowly walks away from him and walks up to this crying baby which i'm sure is supposed to be poetic of some sort walks up to this crying baby telling him that they were all safe and to not cry and she walks away down toward the double doors exiting the church and we get a big old the end that is the last man on earth gotta love it everybody gotta love it what do you think Bri? Mm, i've gotta say the my favorite part about the movie was his mid-atlantic accent <laughs> <laughs> that's why everyone watches vincent price movies oh, yeah. he never like changes it that much like he almost always has that timbre about him like he has that way of speaking and you know one thing that i'll say is there were not a lot of memorable characters in this movie you know it's it's one of those i'm all alone dystopian type films so there's a lot of inner monologue there's a lot of just sort of nonverbal cues happening like nonverbal action not nonverbal action i don't know what that means but there's just a lot of things that he's doing where he's not interacting with anybody there you go but you know what the characters that were in this movie were very memorable and I'm going to do a little impression of one of them. This segment is called Quick Impressions. Quick Impressions. hope you enjoyed that quick impression you know i bring it every day bring you the skills bring you the talent bring you the power baby i know you love it the The power (laughs) i bring you the power baby 
Now it's time for the rating segment of this show. And as you all know, I rate all these movies by my favorite mustaches. Fu Manchu is a full Manchu recommendation. That is means that means that it's awesome. Walrus mustache means hell yeah. Horseshoe mustache means eh okay. And the toothbrush tooth oh god toothbrush mustache is the classic Hitler mustache, and that is a just burn it and let it burn in hell. I um. I'm going to give this film a solid, solid walrus mustache. It's not the greatest film, but the fact that it brought in those tropes, those classic things that we know and love of so many zombie movies, and it brought them into the mainstream is pretty legendary. And it brought it to the mainstream being led by the great Vincent Price, which makes it even more awesome. I just really enjoyed the atmosphere of the movie. I liked it both in color and black and white. Y'all watch it both styles and let me know what you like more. I kind of like the color version a little bit more. I just think it adds a little more vibrance to it. You're able to kind of see Vincent Price do his little, like his um, facial expressions and stuff just seem more powerful when you see the color. But I think the black and white is great too. This is one of those movies that if you're having like a horror movie, I mean, if I'm sorry, if you're having like a Halloween party and you want to have like horror movies kind of like playing in the background, this is a perfect movie. It's not super loud. You know, there's good music to it. Good soundtrack. You know, you have Vincent Price doing his thing. You can have it on mute and just have it playing in the background. It's also just fun to just watch if you're just chilling out. Like it's just a good, smooth watch really quick. It's not too long, you know, like an hour and a half or something like that. So yeah, I really, really like this movie. I just wouldn't want to give it a Fu Manchu just because I feel like it just doesn't quite get there in the sense of I don't know how many times I'm going to watch this movie, but I still really enjoyed it. So full walrus mustache recommendation for The Last Man on Earth. How about you? What what kind of rating would you give it, Brie? I don't know. Uh, Personally, I have the attention span of a hamster, so... It lost me kind of halfway through, and then it got me again. And then at the end, I was like, what the hell was that? Where's the plot? What was the point? So for me, it didn't have any like underlying themes or anything other than the guy's a skeptic, and he's a skeptic, and he's sticking to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a classic. It's a black and white movie. The guy's a fantastic actor. Um, his chemistry both with both of the lady actresses, or both of the lady actors, um was good i like their chemistry together the little girl is a little obnoxious but you know what can you do (laughs) overall yeah i would give it a walrus because like you said it's one of those early horror movies that like broke through for other movies to be able to fall into that genre yeah no totally i totally agree with you um i definitely suggest checking it out and seeing i mean if you haven't seen it already more than like you have i feel like i'm one of the weirder the weirdos that haven't hadn't seen the movie quite yet so yeah i would recommend checking it out so we are in the plug section of the show do you have any plugs for the show brie i know you got a lot going on i always have a lot going on can you believe it where can people find you Uh, what are you doing i'm doing everything no i'm just kidding um well if you want to watch videos about cooking general lifestyle topics watch me being a damn clown um you can check out my youtube it's venom and peonies or instagram also venom and peonies or if you like food which who doesn't like food right it's at chef gg flambe on instagram as well 
And Venom and Peonies is Venom, V-E-N-O-M, and Peonies, P-E-O-N-I-E-S. I-E-S. Because I didn't know what Peonies was until I met her. So apparently it's a flower, right? Peonies are flowers. Peonies are flowers. I'm just so manly, you know. I don't have time for flowers. (laughs) Leave the flowers for the dead. I'm alive, mofos. I'm sorry. Are you, though? I've been drinking since 11. I, I'm i sorry. <laughs> anyway, you can find the Mustachioed Podcastio on Instagram at Mustachioed Podcastio. Don't forget M-O-U-S-T, not M-U-S-T, whatever. I spell it like a gentleman. You can also find me on Twitter at M podcastio i am also on the facebooks but i don't really go there too often so if you're going to message me probably better for the other ones wherever you listen to this podcast if you are able to leave some sort of rating or review i'm not begging for them but if you're bored and you want to let me know that you like it leave me a review if you want to let me know that you don't like it just send me your address so thank you so much for listening in this was The Last Man on Earth. I had a great time. Thank you so much, Bree, for taking part in this podcast. You're welcome. I will see you next time. Bye.